Act Two of There Are Crimes and Crimes by August Strindberg, translated by Edwin Bjorkman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Two First Scene The Auberge des Adrettes a cafe in sixteenth-century style, with a suggestion of stage effect. Tables and easy-chairs are scattered in corners and nooks. The walls are decorated with armor and weapons. Along the ledge of the wainscoting stand glasses and jugs. Maurice and Henriette are in evening dress and sit facing each other at a table on which stands a bottle of champagne and three filled glasses. The third glass is placed at that side of the table which is nearest the background, and there an easy-chair is kept ready for the still-missing third man. Maurice puts his watch in front of him on the table. If he doesn't get here within the next five minutes, he isn't coming at all. And suppose in the meantime we drink with his ghost. Touches the third glass with the rim of his own. Henriette, doing the same. Here's to you, Adolf. He won't come. He will come. He won't. He will. What an evening. What a wonderful day. I can hardly grasp that a new life has begun. Think only. The manager believes that I may count on no less than one hundred thousand francs. I'll spend twenty thousand on a villa outside the city. That leaves me eighty thousand. I won't be able to take it all in until tomorrow, for I am tired, tired, tired. Sinks back into chair. Have you ever felt really happy? Never. How does it feel? I don't quite know how to put it. I cannot express it, but I seem chiefly to be thinking of the chagrin of my enemies. It isn't nice, but that's the way it is. Is it happiness to be thinking of one's enemies? Why, the victor has to count his killed and wounded enemies in order to gauge the extent of his victory. Are you as bloodthirsty as all that? Perhaps not. But when you have felt the pressure of other people's heels on your chest for years, it must be pleasant to shake off the enemy and draw a full breath at last. Don't you find it strange that you are sitting here, alone with me, an insignificant girl practically unknown to you, and on an evening like this, when you ought to have a craving to show yourself like a triumphant hero to all the people, on the boulevards, in the big restaurants? Of course, it's rather funny, but it feels good to be here, and your company is all I care for. You don't look very hilarious. No, I feel rather sad, and I should like to weep a little. What is the meaning of that? It is fortune, conscious of its own nothingness, and waiting for misfortune to appear. Oh, my! How sad! What is it you are missing, anyhow? I miss the only thing that gives value to life. So you love her no longer, then? Not in the way I understand love. Do you think she has read my play, or that she wants to see it? Oh, she is so good, so self-sacrificing and considerate. But to go out with me for a night's fun, she would regard as sinful. I once treated her to champagne, you know, and instead of feeling happy over it, she picked up the wine list to see what it cost, and when she read the price, she wept. Wept because Marion was in need of new stockings. It is beautiful, of course. It is touching, if you please, but I can get no pleasure out of it, and I do want a little pleasure before life runs out. So far I've had nothing but privation, but now, now, life is beginning for me. The clock strikes twelve. Now begins a new day. A new era. Adolf is not coming. No, now he won't come. 
and now it is too late to go back to the cremerie. But they are waiting for you. Let them wait. They have made me promise to come, and I take back my promise. Are you longing to go there? On the contrary. Will you keep me company, then? With pleasure, if you care to have me. Otherwise I shouldn't be asking you. It is strange, you know, that the victor's wreath seems worthless if you can't place it at the feet of some woman, and that everything seems worthless when you have not a woman. You don't need to be without a woman. You. Well, that's the question. Don't you know that a man is irresistible in his hour of success and fame? No, I don't know, for I've had no experience of it. You are a queer sort. At this moment, when you are the most envied man in Paris, you sit here and brood. Perhaps your conscience is troubling you, because you have neglected that invitation to drink chicory coffee with the old lady over at the milk-shop. Yes, my conscience is troubling me on that score, and even here I am aware of their resentment, their hurt feelings, their well-grounded anger. My comrades in distress had the right to demand my presence this evening. The good Madame Catherine had a privileged claim on my success, from which a glimmer of hope was to spread over the poor fellows who have not yet succeeded. I have robbed them of their faith in me. I can hear the vows they have been making. Maurice will come, for he is a good fellow. He doesn't despise us, and he never fails to keep his word. Now I have made them forswear themselves. While he is still speaking, somebody in the next room has begun to play the finale of Beethoven's Sonata in D minor. Op. 31, Number 3. The Allegretto is first played piano, then more forte, and at last, passionately, violently, with complete abandon. Who can be playing at this time of night? Probably some night-birds of the same kind as we. But listen, your presentation of the case is not correct. Remember that Adolf promised to meet us here. We waited for him, and he failed to keep his promise, so that you are not to blame. You think so? While you are speaking, I believe you, but when you stop, my conscience begins again. What have you in that package? Oh, it is only a laurel wreath that I meant to send up to the stage, but I had no chance to do so. Let me give it to you now. It is said to have a cooling effect on burning foreheads. She rises and crowns him with the wreath. Then she kisses him on the forehead. Hail to the victor! Don't! Henriette, kneeling. Hail to the king! Maurice, rising. No, now you scare me. You timid man! You of little faith who are afraid of fortune, even! Who robbed you of your self-assurance and turned you into a dwarf? A dwarf? Yes, you are right. I am not working up in the clouds like a giant, with crashing and roaring, but I forge my weapons deep down in the silent heart of the mountain. You think that my modesty shrinks before the victor's wreath? On the contrary, I despise it. It is not enough for me. You think I am afraid of that ghost with its jealous green eyes, which sits over there and keeps watch on my feelings? The strength of which you don't suspect. Away, ghost! He brushes the third untouched glass off the table. Away with you, you superfluous third person. You absent one who has lost your rights, if you ever had any. You stayed away from the field of battle because you knew yourself already beaten. As I crush this glass under my foot, so I will crush the image of yourself which you have reared in a temple no longer yours. Good. That's the way. Well spoken, my hero. Now I have sacrificed my best friend, my most faithful helper, on your altar, Astarte. Are you satisfied? Astarte is a pretty name. Then I'll keep it. I think you love me, Maurice. Of course I do. Woman of evil omen, you who stir up a man's courage with your scent of blood, 
Whence do you come, and where do you lead me? I loved you before I saw you, for I trembled when I heard them speak of you. And when I saw you in the doorway, your soul poured itself into mine. And when you left, I could still feel your presence in my arms. I wanted to flee from you, but something held me back. And this evening we have been driven together, as the prey is driven into the hunter's net. Whose is the fault? Your friends, who pandered for us. Fault or no fault, what does it matter? And what does it mean? Adolf has been at fault in not bringing us together before. He is guilty of having stolen from us two weeks of bliss, to which he had no right himself. I am jealous of him on your behalf. I hate him because he has cheated you out of your mistress. I should like to blot him from the host of the living, and his memory with him. Wipe him out of the past, even. Make him unmade, unborn. Well, we'll bury him beneath our own memories. We'll cover him with leaves and branches, far out in the wild woods. And then we'll pile stone on top of the mound, so that he will never look up again. Raising his glass. Our fate is sealed. Woe unto us. What will come next? Next comes the new era. What have you in that package? I cannot remember. Henriette opens the package and takes out a tie and a pair of gloves. That tie is a fright. It must have cost at least fifty sometimes. Maurice, snatching the things away from her. Don't you touch them. They're from her? Yes, they are. Give them to me. No, she's better than we, better than everybody else. I don't believe it. She is simply stupider and stingier. One who weeps because you wore her champagne. When the child was without stockings? Yes, she is a good woman. Philistine, you'll never be an artist. But I am an artist, and I'll make a bust of you with a shopkeeper's cap instead of the laurel wreath. Her name is Jean. How do you know? Why, that's the name of all housekeepers. Henriette! Henriette takes the tie and the gloves and throws them into the fireplace. Maurice, weakly. Astarte, now you demand the sacrifice of women. You shall have them, but if you ask for innocent children, too, then I'll send you packing. Can you tell me what it is that binds you to me? If only I knew, I should be able to tear myself away. But I believe it must be those qualities which you have and I lack. I believe that the evil within you draws me with the irresistible lure of novelty. Have you ever committed a crime? No real one. Have you? Yes. Well, how did you find it? It was greater than to perform a good deed, for by that we are placed on equality with others. It was greater than to perform some act of heroism, for by that we are raised above others and rewarded. That crime placed me outside and beyond life, society, and my fellow beings. Since then I am living only a partial life, a sort of dream life, and that's why reality never gets a hold on me. What was it you did? I won't tell. For then you would get scared again. Can you never be found out? Never. But that does not prevent me from seeing, frequently, the five stones at the Place des Roquettes, where the scaffold used to stand. And for this reason I never dare to open a pack of cards, as I always turn up the five spot of diamonds. Was it that kind of crime? Yes, it was that kind. Of course it's horrible, but it is interesting. Have you no conscience? None but I should be grateful if you would talk of something else. Suppose we talk of love. Of that you don't talk until it is over. Have you been in love with Adolf? I don't know. The goodness of his nature drew me like some beautiful, all-but-vanished memory of childhood. 
yet there was so much about his person that offended my eye, so that I had to spend a long time retouching, altering, adding, subtracting, before I could make a presentable figure of him. When he talked, I could notice that he had learned from you, and the lesson was often badly digested and awkwardly applied. You can imagine, then, how miserable the copy must appear now, when I am permitted to study the original. That's why he was afraid of having us two meet, and when it did happen, he understood at once that his time was up. Poor Adolf. I feel sorry for him, too, as I know he must be suffering beyond all bounds. Shh! Somebody's coming. I wonder if it could be he. That would be unbearable. No, it isn't he. But if it had been, how do you think the situation would have shaped itself? At first he would have been a little sore at you, because he had made a mistake in regard to the meeting-place, and tried to find us in several other cafés. But his soreness would have changed into pleasure at finding us, and seeing that we had not deceived him. And in the joy at having wronged us by his suspicions, he would love both of us. And so it would make him happy to notice that we had become such good friends. It had always been his dream. Hmm. He is making the speech now. His dream that the three of us should form a triumvirate that could set the world a great example of friendship asking for nothing. Yes, I trust you, Maurice, partly because you are my friend, and partly because your feelings are tied up elsewhere. Bravo! You must have been in a similar situation before, or you couldn't give such a lifelike picture of it. Do you know that Adolf is just that kind of a third person who cannot enjoy his mistress without having his friend along? That's why I had to be called in to entertain you. Hush! There is somebody outside. It must be he. No, don't you know these are the hours when ghosts walk, and then you can see so many things, and hear them also. To keep awake at night, when you ought to be sleeping, has for me the same charm as a crime. It is to place oneself above and beyond the laws of nature. But the punishment is fearful. I'm shivering or quivering, with cold or with fear. Henriette wraps her opera cloak about him. Put this on. It will make you warm. That's nice. It is as if I were inside of your skin, as if my body had been melted up by lack of sleep, and were being remolded in your shape. I can feel the molding process going on. But I am also growing a new soul, new thoughts. And here, where your bosom has left an impression, I can feel my own beginning to bulge. During this entire scene, the pianist in the next room has been practicing the sonata in D minor sometimes pianissimo, sometimes wildly fortissimo. Now and then he has kept silent for a little while, and at other times nothing has been heard but a part of the finale, bars 96 to 107. What a monster to sit there all night practicing on the piano. It gives me a sick feeling. Do you know what I propose? Let us drive out to the Bois de Boulogne and take breakfast in the pavilion and see the sunrise over the lakes. Bully! But first of all, I must arrange to have my mail and the morning papers sent out by messenger to the pavilion. Tell me, Henriette, shall we invite Adolf? Oh, that's going too far. But why not? The ass can also be harnessed to the triumphal chariot. Let him come. They get up. Maurice, taking off the cloak. Then I'll ring. Wait a moment. Throws herself into his arms. Curtain. Second scene. A large, splendidly furnished restaurant room in the Bois de Boulogne. It is richly carpeted and full of mirrors, easy chairs, and divans. There are glass doors in the background, and beside them, windows overlooking the lakes. In the foreground, a table is spread, 
with flowers in the centre, bowls full of fruit, wine in decanters, oysters on platters, many different kinds of wine-glasses, and two lighted candelabra. On the right there is a round table full of newspapers and telegrams. Maurice and Henriette are sitting opposite each other at this small table. The sun is just rising outside. There is no longer any doubt about it. The newspapers tell me it is so, and these telegrams congratulate me on my success. This is the beginning of a new life, and my fate is wedded to yours by this night, when you were the only one to share my hopes and my triumph. From your hand I receive the laurel, and it seems to me as if everything had come from you. What a wonderful night! Have we been dreaming, or is this something we have really lived through? Maurice, rising. And what a morning after such a night! I feel as if it were the world's first day that is now being illumined by the rising sun. Only this minute was the earth created, and stripped of those white films that are now floating off into space. There lies the Garden of Eden, in the rosy light of dawn, and here is the first human couple. Do you know, I am so happy, I could cry at the thought that all mankind is not equally happy. Do you hear that distant murmur, as of ocean waves beating on a rocky shore? As of winds sweeping through a forest? Do you know what it is? It is Paris, whispering my name. Do you see the columns of smoke that rise skyward in thousands and tens of thousands? They are the fires burning on my altars, and if that not be so, then it must become so, for I will it. At this moment all the telegraph instruments of Europe are clicking out my name. The Oriental Express is carrying the newspapers to the far east, toward the rising sun, and the ocean steamers are carrying them to the utmost west. The earth is mine, and for that reason it is beautiful. Now I should like to have wings for us too so that we might rise from here and fly far, far away, before anybody can soil my happiness, before envy has a chance to wake me out of my dream. For it is probably a dream. Henriette, holding out her hand to him, here you can feel that you are not dreaming. It is not a dream, but it has been one. As a poor young man, you know, when I was walking in the woods down there and looked up to this pavilion, it looked to me like a fairy castle, and always my thoughts carried me up to this room with the balcony outside and the heavy curtains, as to a place of supreme bliss. To be sitting here in company with a beloved woman, and see the sunrise while the candles were still burning in the candelabra, that was the most audacious dream of my youth. And now it has come true, and now I have no more to ask of life. Do you want to die now, together with me? No, you fool. Now I want to begin living. Maurice, rising. To live, that is to suffer. Now comes reality. I can hear his steps on the stairs. He is panting with alarm, and his heart is beating with dread of having lost what it holds most precious. Can you believe me if I tell you that Adolf is under this roof? Within a minute he will be standing in the middle of this floor. Henriette, alarmed. It was a stupid trick to ask him to come here, and I am already regretting it. Well, we shall see anyhow if your forecast of the situation proves correct. Oh, it is easy to be mistaken about a person's feelings. The head waiter enters with a card. Ask the gentleman to step in. To Henriette. I'm afraid we'll regret this. Too late to think of that now. Hush! Adolf enters, pale and hollow-eyed. Maurice, trying to speak unconcernedly. There you are. What became of you last night? I looked for you at the Hotel des Arrêts and waited a whole hour. So you went to the wrong place. We were waiting several hours for you at the Auberge des Adres and we are still waiting for you, as you see. Adolf, relieved. Thank heaven. 
Good morning, Adolf. You are always expecting the worst and worrying yourself needlessly. I suppose you imagine that we wanted to avoid your company. And though you see that we sent for you, you are still thinking yourself superfluous. Pardon me, I was wrong, but the night was dreadful. They sit down. Embarrassed silence follows. Henriette to Adolf. Well, are you not going to congratulate Maurice on his great success? Oh, yes. Your success is the real thing, and envy itself cannot deny it. Everything is given way before you, and even I have a sense of my own smallness in your presence. Nonsense. Henriette, are you not going to offer Adolf a glass of wine? Thank you. Not for me. Nothing at all. Henriette, to Adolf, what's the matter with you? Are you ill? Not yet, but... Your eyes. What of them? What happened at the cremery last night? I suppose they are angry with me. Nobody is angry with you, but your absence caused a depression which it hurt me to watch. But nobody was angry with you, believe me. Your friends understood, and they regarded your failure to come with sympathetic forbearance. Madame Catherine herself defended you and proposed your health. We all rejoiced in your success as if it had been our own. Well, those are nice people. What good friends you have, Maurice. Yes, better than I deserve. Nobody has better friends than he deserves, and you are a man greatly blessed in his friends. Can't you feel how the air is softened today by all the kind thoughts and wishes that stream toward you from a thousand breasts? Maurice rises in order to hide his emotion. From a thousand breasts that you have rid of the nightmare that had been crushing them during a lifetime. Humanity had been slandered, and you have exonerated it. That's why men feel grateful toward you. Today... They are once more holding their heads high and saying, You see, we are a little better than our reputation, after all. And that thought makes them better. Henriette tries to hide her emotion. Am I in the way? Just let me warm myself a little in your sunshine, Maurice, and then I'll go. Why should you go when you have only just arrived? Why? Because I have seen what I need not have seen. Because I know now that my hour is past pause that you sent for me i take as an expression of thoughtfulness a notice of what has happened a frankness that hurts less than deceit you hear that i think well of my fellow-beings and this i have learned from you maurice pause but my friend a few moments ago i passed through the church of saint germain and there i saw a woman and a child i am not wishing that you had seen them, for what has happened cannot be altered. But if you gave a thought or a word to them before you set them adrift on the waters of the great city, then you could enjoy your happiness undisturbed. And now I bid you good-bye. Why must you go? And you ask that? Do you want me to tell you? No, I don't. Good-bye, then. Goes out. The fall, and lo, they knew that they were naked. What a difference between this scene and the one we imagined. He is better than we. Seems to me now as if all the rest were better than we. Do you see that the sun has vanished behind clouds, and that the woods have lost their rose color? Yes, I see, and the blue lake has turned black. Let us flee to some place where the sky is always blue, and the trees are always green. Yes, let us, but without any farewells. No, 
with farewells we were to fly you spoke of wings and your feet are of lead i am not jealous but if you go to say farewell and get two pairs of arms around your neck then you can't tear yourself away perhaps you are right but only one pair of little arms is needed to hold me fast it is the child that holds you then and not the woman it is the child the child another woman's child and for the sake of it i am to suffer why must that child block the way where i want to pass and must pass yes why it would be better if it had never existed henriette walks excitedly back and forth indeed but now it does exist like a rock on the road a rock set firmly in the ground immovable so that it upsets the carriage the triumphal chariot the ass is driven to death but the rock remains curse it pause there is nothing to do yes we must get married and then our child will make us forget the other one this will kill this kill what kind of word is that henriette changing tone your child will kill our love no girl our love will kill whatever stands in its way but it will not be killed henriette opens a deck of cards lying on the mantelpiece look at it five spot of diamonds the scaffold can it be possible that our fates are determined in advance that our thoughts are guided as if through pipes to the spot for which they are bound without chance for us to stop them but i don't want it i don't want it do you realize that i must go to the scaffold if my crime should be discovered tell me about your crime now is the time for it no i should regret it afterward and you would despise me no 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 have you ever heard that a person could be hated to death well my father incurred the hatred of my mother and my sisters and he melted away like wax before a fire ugh let us talk of something else and above all let us get away the air is poisoned here to-morrow your laurels will be withered the triumph will be forgotten and in a week another triumphant hero will hold the public attention away from here to work for new victories but first of all maurice you must embrace your child and provide for its immediate future you don't have to see the mother at all thank you your good heart does you honor and i love you doubly when you show the kindness you generally hide and then you go to the cramery and say good-bye to the old lady and your friends leave no unsettled business behind to make your mind heavy on our trip i'll clear up everything and to-night we meet at the railroad station agreed and then away from here away towards the sea and the sun curtain end of act two